my goodness me. Here it is, predictable, well choreographed, perfectly rehearsed. Hello and welcome to episode 5 of Grassroots, the best podcast for players, coaches and supporters of the Grassroots women's game. In this frozen pitch of an episode, we discuss the wonders of Pompeii, we meet Birkenhead ladies and Sherry gives advice on how to recover from the rugby bus when you're over 35. Molly takes over from Jody for a Polynesian paradise of knock-on, knock-off and we have some serious chat about the challenges of transitioning players from under-18s to adults rugby. Oh, and we have a new competition too. 22 months out with a triple knee operation. She runs in, tries I'm for Goose. I'm Lou. I'm Molly. I'm Joyce. And I'm Jodie. And I'm Matt. This is Grassroots. So, here we are. I guess first things first, quick World Cup summary. Goose, I know you watched a lot of the games. What was your mm. general appraisal? It was it was really good. I loved it. Early, early mornings, which never good, but actually you can get up for rugby. The standard across the board was just amazing. I think what's still really disappointing is that there's still quite a noticeable difference between those countries that have got their RFU equivalents supporting and backing them compared to those who don't. So it's still not quite a level playing field. But overall, I I bloody loved it. I really enjoyed watching the Rugby World Cup. Gutted for England in the final. Lydia Thompson, I don't know how she's coping with what happened because we've all been there. I play on the wing. It's a horrible bloody position to play and you always go in high. But yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I'm missing it really. I haven't got any exciting women's rugby to watch at the moment because it's all, it's all just slowly kicking off now in the Premiership, isn't it? So Yeah, totally. How about you, Ma? What was your general appraisal of what's been going on over in New Zealand? Well, after you didn't edit the Didsbury slagging off out, I need to be very <laughs> careful about what I reveal on the pod. No jokes aside, Didsbury actually played pretty well against us. They found use of their arms again. But there was, um, I don't know, it, I was mixed emotions about it. And obviously, oh, stop laughing at me. I'm, I'm, already, I'm already in a hole, so I might as well just stay in there and make it, you know, slightly wood deeper. Obviously, we spoke to Victoria Rush, Matt, which has just come out on this episode, just gone, about obviously the representation, how it's been advertised and all of that. So I feel like there was a bit of a negative vibe going into the World Cup about how the game hadn't been promoted and it wasn't easy to watch, you know, and I get the time difference is a massive thing. But if you take away all of that, it was a great platform for women's rugby and there were so much positives out of it. Like Goose said, the quality was good. I mean, the final was sold out. There was just loads of positives from it. Me and Goose have got mixed views on this Lydia Thompson thing. Like, she must feel heartbroken. She's got the loss and she's got the fact that she contributed to her team having to play for four, uh, with 14 women for pretty much, you know, three quarters of the final. But then it's the platform for next time when we host the World Cup and we'll have the home advantage, we'll have the crowds, we'll fill the stadiums, everything will be so much better. So I think it's really sad for the people like Sarah Hunter and those ones that are retiring that are not going to get that chance to do it again. But on the whole, like just a really exciting time for women's rugby. Yeah, totally agree. Yeah, I, I think, how old is Lydia Thompson? Is she, I think she must be getting on a bit now. 
I think she's 30, isn't she? Stand by, I'll Google. I'll Google. Well, let's hope that she's young enough to be able to have a shot at the next World Cup and make rights and wrongs because I can't think of anything worse than going through that and never having the opportunity to turn it round again. That must be it's bad enough yeah, you know, having to go through it. Like, oh, okay. She's just about, yeah, she could be okay then to come back and have another go. Yeah, she's either 29 or 30. She's born in 1992. 30, yeah, February 1992. Yeah. I think there as well, there's a lot of support, you know, the psychological effect on that for Lydia. Hopefully the team and the team management are there to support that, aren't they, going through? Rather than we would just, you'd just be stoned in the village square, probably, if it was our (laughs) team, wouldn't it? But um, I think they're a bit more forgiving on that. You see the Ace Ventura pet detective? No, no, Ace Ventura, where there's a guy called Ray Finkel. No, I probably have seen the film, but yeah. Yeah. So basically this guy called Ray Finkel was a, a kicker within the NFL and he missed a really easy kick to win the Super Bowl. And he just turns into this psychopath, basically. He just like lives, yeah, lives in this sort of house in the middle of nowhere. And he has like basically all the cuttings from, from all of the abuse he's had over the years all over his walls and stuff. <laughs> Let's just hope that um, Liddy doesn't go down that route. That wasn't cool. Yeah. From the World Cup, the press, I think, and the social media reading forums or, you know, um, Facebook pages, hearing sort of people who don't tend to watch rugby saying how amazing it was to watch and how the women's game was, they were really surprised by it. I think that was really positive. I noticed quite a few from our rugby club that I kind of saw on their Facebook walls posting about the women's rugby and how they'd got up and were like really surprised and then enjoyed it more than watching some of the men's rugby. I think that's interesting. It's not a kind of kicking volleyball back and two. I don't know. There were some really um, d- good discussions on some of the men. Some of the men I follow, not follow, not like stalk. I don't mean it. Uh, who are you know have played men's rugby and hadn't probably maybe engaged so much in the women's. And it, it was really positive to read. There was nothing negative about it. Yeah. So I'm going to say this, right, Luke? What are your thoughts on this? I reckon that women's rugby, when well played is actually better to watch the men's rugby now. Oh, yeah, I actually really agree with that. I think there's a lot more phases. There's a lot. It seems to be, I don't know, I can't quite just put my finger on what it is that makes it more enjoyable to watch, but it definitely is. Do you think it's because it's more rugby? It's more traditional rugby. We're playing simple rugby well. So, yeah, so I'm going to say there's two things, right? One is the overall size of the players means the pitch seems bigger. Mm, yeah. And the second thing is that their kicking isn't as good from, from the tee yet. So they can't rely on kicking conversions and, and penalties to win matches in the same way that the men's game can. So even in the final, even the very best kickers, we're still missing by quite some distance the kicks on the uh, touchline, whereas yeah. we very rarely see the men's teams miss. So that just makes the game a little bit more exciting, I think, because they don't try and engineer situations just to try and get three points. They're constantly trying to score tries. Like Lou said, you don't get the whole rugby bloody volleyball where they're just one 10 kicks it to the other 10, they kick it and it comes back to the fullback, the fullback then kicks it down the other end. 
and you get 20 kicks on the bounce up and down the pitch and it gets really boring as a spectator when that happens, when all they're trying to do is gain territory. Whereas you get that in the women's game to a certain extent, but it'll be one or two kicks and then somebody runs it in and the game comes alive again. So I think in that respect, that's far more interesting as a spectator to watch because it just gets dull when they're just playing rugby tennis, when they're kicking it back and forth. I think as well, because the teams are quite evenly matched as well, aren't they? So they're good competitive games. It's not as though you've got a real top-end team playing a lower one that's going to put 80-odd points nil on. That's not fun to watch either as a game, is it? Some of those games are right down to the wire, weren't they? Yeah. No. I mean, just to summarise, I think, where women's rugby needs to go is that the teams that are not as well funded and you know it's not well supported need to get that sorted for the time for the next world cup because that's what's missing from the game is competitive more competitive teams able to win big tournaments but if they can get that sorted they've got it licked i mean the games become so much more entertaining to watch it's more accessible for fans in the main although there's a debate about that in the last episode about how challenging that was at times to, to watch i mean the semi-final as an example i was absolutely raging I thought, right, I set my alarm for six o'clock in the morning, whatever time it was to watch it. It was a half six kickoff. And then I thought, no, why am I doing that? I don't need to. I'll just get up, watch it on um, ITV Hub whilst I've kind of got up and had a bit of a line in the morning. I thought, you know, maybe start watching it at nine o'clock. It didn't come on ITV Hub until after midday. Oh, don't even start me it was, on that. It's I was so, so angry. annoying. I mean, literally, like, it was impossible to avoid the result. Anywhere mm. I looked, if I turned the radio on in the car, if I flicked my phone on, I was going to find out the result. I just couldn't believe it took that long. Like, you know, you can get it with like an hour or so, fair enough. Obviously, there's a technical challenge there. But, you know, five, six hours for a game of that importance, it's just not on. So that was a pain in the butt. But I think in the main, going to the next tournament, if the likes of Wales, Scotland, Italy and Australia, of course, can get a little bit more competitive against the bigger teams, so there genuinely could be a few upsets, then it'll just make it more compelling. Because the game itself, as a spectacle... Is extremely compelling. No, so when we were speaking to the rush, like we said, obviously we went over the fact that it was just, you couldn't watch it. If you missed the actual live game, unless you'd press record, you were screwed. And you'd like Lou said, you're waiting 12, 1, 2 o'clock before you can even get onto it. And then a lot of the time you click on the game and it would just say, sorry, it's not working or whatever. And it, it just wouldn't happen. It would not happen for a football match, even like a lower level football match. It wouldn't happen for a men's rugby game. And I just think it's either lack of thought or just thinking, actually, this isn't going to get as many viewers in as, I don't know, what's some like crap animal program that comes on the telly on ITV or something or amid some murders or whatever. If I feel like they don't see the importance of it in getting it advertised and and doing this stuff. But whoever invests in it from a commercial side or sponsorship or, you know, just a company that kind of takes it under his wings, they're going to fly. But it's just about having the first person to do it or the first broadcaster to go, do you know what? We're going to show women's rugby and we're going to show it live replay as soon as it's done. And I think whoever does that is just going to break through the crowd and and go well ahead of everybody. Something that just absolutely drove me crazy about watching the matches. There was no way I was going to get up at whatever God's awful time the matches were shown. But then to watch it the next morning, even if I've managed to avoid all types of social media and not know the score. So when it's finally on ITV Hub, 
the like the 20 odd minutes of adverts before you even get to even <laughs> pre-chat to the game. It's like you can't even fast forward it either. It's like, oh my God, this is the most frustrating thing ever. It just made me made me so ranty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a difficult one, isn't it? Because they kind of need that ad revenue to invest back in. Although, you know, clearly you've got to wonder when they're advertising, you know, I don't know, lawnmowers or whatever it was. <laughs> so something completely unrelated to A, women's rugby or B, the people like to be watching it. You've got to wonder how much of it's actually going back into the game. But, you know, you can't really avoid that, I don't think. But, you know, it was excessive. I mean, I reckon you have to sit through at least half an hour of adverts to get before we got to the game. Yeah. 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 I've been going on about this book to Goose for bloody weeks and I finally got it, Goose, my book that I've been after. Did you get it? Yeah, I've got it by Sue Antis and they referenced this in the No Woman, No Try documentary. I won't read the first page, but the like the quote on the first page, I've read it like five times already. It says, we don't want to take over. We just want to take part. That's hit the nail on the head. We're not asking to have the world we're not asking to take from the men's game or take from football or any of them things we just want an equal playing field and we just want the same as what they've got and it just honestly like we don't want to take over we just want to take part I was like she's nailed it and I haven't even read the first page oh I love that I think that's a great tagline for anything isn't it that's all we want that's all what everyone's campaigning for we just want to have a go and to be seen as as good as the men in our own right we're not saying we're going to beat them we're not saying that we're better than them or we play better rugby than them well Matt and Lou are but you know we <laughs> we just want a fair chance to be seen and to show off the fact that women can do incredible things like we don't get the same money there's loads of things that we're still fighting for but actually we just want to show off the fact that we can do it yeah I think that's a reasonable request in the grand scheme of things isn't it I mean <laughs> well hopefully I think gone are the days where people can say yeah, back in your box and not get shouted down, which is good. I mean, look, people haven't figured out the commercials of it yet. It's certainly at sort of prem level and above. Grassroots level, you eat what you kill to some degree, don't you? If you bring in a load of players and a bit of sponsorship, then life's easy. If you don't, then I think it's fair for clubs to ask you kind of wash your face a little bit. But in terms of coverage, it's like anything, isn't it? If you put it out there for people to watch, it'll find an audience. It may not be the audience you think it's going to be. Yeah, so when I've read the book, I'll pass it around the group. Goose has got first dibs, but I reckon it's just like I've read the first two chapters and I was like, oh, crap, I've got a podcast now. But I reckon I could read it in a night, like it's gripping and she's just incredible. So definitely giving her a big shout out to Sue. It's a good read. Nice. So I'm here with Lauren from Birkenhead Rugby Club. A very tough game here at Crew Nantwich. 7-7, a draw. That's very rare for that to happen. How was the game for you? It was good. It's a physical game. Hard. Ref was equally shit on both sides, but it was an alright game. It's never a good sign when the ref says at the start of the match it's the first time he's ever refereed a game of women's rugby. The worrying thing was, oh, do we play 40 or would like to do 30? And you're like, no, it's the same as the men's rules. Did he call you love at any point? I think did actually. <laughs> <laughs> Never a good sign. So tell me a little bit about Birkenhead Rugby Club then. Uh, we had our 10 year anniversary in 2019, so we've been around for a while. And we've just had those kind of seasons where we've had some really good seasons, lots of infantry players and a few years ago, 
we're one blue prem and finished third and really pushed. Everyone then got pregnant, all went off and had lives, and then you start right from scratch again, which is probably normal in our levels of rugby that life just takes over for the girls, and unfortunately, you don't get paid, you don't have the time, no one. It's not a huge deal of support, so you just lose an influx of players to family life. It's definitely one of the big things with running a women's rugby team, isn't it? That you go through those cycles. It's almost every year, you know, you have a great group of girls, you have a really good season, and then you get to pre-season and there's half the number of people there and a load of randoms. Is that the same experience for you guys? Yeah, we have the same and we've worked since COVID just trying to build up a team. We've said we don't want to go up. This season's all about just trying to build a solid team with subs. So how's the season been so far? Been fine, three games, lost one, won one, drew one, so can't complain. Yeah, and having so many new players in key positions as well, it's quite hard. If you've got six brand new players on the pitch, there's no one to really take control of them. Watching today, it's very clear that you guys love the physical stuff. So how do you go about training everybody to be up to speed with the contact? So pre-season we had to do it on the beach and stuff because the pitches are rock hard this summer. We can't take them to the beach and we say to them, if you land on the sand, you're not going to hurt yourself. And everyone kind of goes, oh yeah, okay then, that's fine. So that's just the only way of just, I'll push on the sand. Yeah, I think having just a handful of aggressive girls at training makes everyone else kind of go right sad. But you probably have the exact same at your club because... Absolutely, yeah. For, for, for us over the summer, ground was rock hard. Most of the work we did was non-contact based. So you get into the season, the ground's still fairly hard, to be fair. And have to pick it up pretty quick, doesn't it? Have you had any injuries yet this season? Touch wood, no. Um, pregnancies, but no injuries. So it sounds like there's a lot of pregnancies at Birkenhead. I don't know what you guys are drinking over there. Yeah. Well, two of our girls, there were a couple, and both are pregnant at the same time. And we've got three who've got under ones who are just slowly coming back so coming back from pregnancy is a big deal isn't it yeah we've had a few of those over the years absolutely so looking ahead to this season then what are the aims aims are just to rebuild the team finish top half and just get the team back to being like a team having fun i feel like covid made everyone really really spread out and last season being the first one back from covid was a really weird season so who's your biggest rival then who's the team that you love more than anything else to play against last season I think it was Sale because it was the novelty of being new kind of like oh what have they got what are they showing and I think this season everyone's a bit the same with the new ones in the, team, in the league because you don't know what they're like at least when you come here you know there's a physical team there's a bit of the strong forward you kind of know when you've got newbies it's a bit like oh where what's going to happen on those games with Sale you've got to make sure you've got space for their special physio table and their oxygen tents and all of that sort of stuff and I spars on standby yeah I missed the away game but everyone did say there's a nice little rope for everyone and yeah the home game's alright it was just freezing yeah. in your rugby travels then how long have you been playing? 10 years now oh wow 10 years start, yeah started training when I was 17 couldn't play and I was a tiny little weed it was very, very much I was one of them of you can go on the last 5 minutes when you're not going to fuck anything up for us you're allowed on the pitch it's just no long slog and then working way up got game time at uni went to Australia played for a bit and then came back and then just stayed at, stayed at park so what's the best thing about grassroots rugby for you? I think it's, it's nice is no pressure it's not really serious if you're just having an off day or something not gone to plan it's fine everyone else is like it's fine come have a laugh the bigger social side of things like 
we're very big for kind of going out and getting on piss, doing something fun, if not just all like, oh, let's play to the really serious and there's no social attached to it. Stupid ref, stupid ref, stupid ref, stupid ref. So, in your rugby experience then, have you ever encountered a stupid ref? Bless. It wasn't his fault. He was just really old. It was at uni. And he was this little, he was about 80, he was dead old. She actually played for Wales International. She was just a rapid little winger. Ran right into him. Knocked him off his feet. And he was flat on the floor where the whistle try was on for her. But he just landed that fat on his arse because she ran straight into him because he got in the way. No, great to meet you anyway today. Well done for the game. Great result. Um, good game to watch and best of luck for the rest of the season. Well, thank you, you too. It's no a good worries. game. Looking forward to having this Tonight, I thought we'd talk about a fairly thorny subject, which is the progression of under-18s into adults' rugby. The reason I thought about this was, uh, Joyce, I saw a picture that you stuck out on social media a couple of days ago of you and your daughter playing together. And I just thought, oh, that's cute. And then I thought, wow, you must be the very first mother and daughter to pull on a crew and rugby shirt on the same pitch. We yeah. are, yes. Woohoo! We are. Yay. Yeah. In our centenary year, we put on a mother daughter team here. Yeah. Have some, oh. there you go. Woo! Yeah. Bend Just one My daughter has this theory, completely right, very quickly. She's like, she says, well, Just imagine if you're in a car crash. And the last song is the song you hate the most, but that's uh, the one that's on the radio. And then people think that that's the song you love, so they keep uh, playing at you. And I'm like, it'd be fucking Adele. It'd be Adele. What is wrong with her? Come back and haunt them from beyond the grave. I'd be like, right, you fuckers. Play that song at your funeral. You've heard about the wanking statue, haven't you? What? No. Yeah, so in Pompeii, right? You know, <laughs> <laughs> that's such a filthy laugh. I'm already laughing. At least they laugh. <laughs> yeah, so when Vesuvius erupted in Pompeii, obviously those people buried under ash, and the way that they find the bodies now is they basically find cavities inside the ash, and all the bodies by now have like disintegrated into dust, pretty much. So they pour plaster of Paris into the cavity. It's quite grotesque in a sense because they kind of capture the. The body as it would have been at the moment of death. So a lot of them are kind of like in sleeping positions or, you know, dogs in sort of slightly convoluted positions with legs in the air and stuff. But there's one of these where the guy basically looks like he's knocking one out. <laughs> so I'm going to send you the picture now, but it's just the funniest thing. Even though it's probably not what was going on, it looks very much like he was. That's the kind of shit that would happen to me, to be honest. I'm not going to lie. If if death was imminent and there was no time for anything else, probably have a massive wank. (laughs) (laughs) So fair dues, really. (laughs) It's just like, you know, just what goes through your head just before you're about to be consumed by mega hot gases and volcanic ash. So you know what? I'm not going to think about my family and try and say give my body. I'm just going to knock one out. Was it like a surprise wank? You know, just like, surprise, shit, I'm dead. It's it's like the ultimate danger wank, isn't it? I kind of knew it was coming. I've got a matter of seconds. A matter of seconds before the hot lava comes in and finds me. Yeah, exactly. And And now he's preserved for all eternity in a position it really is not the kind of thing you want women's rugby podcast talking about I mean who'd have thought it this guy you know when he was in the middle of thinking of, yeah yeah it, thinking of voluptuous Roman women 
you oh know, my god, he, he, but he does look like he's having a wank. He does. He looks yeah. like he's having a really good time by the expression on his face as well. <laughs> That's some serious gurn. Yeah. That's some serious gurn. He's looking pretty pretty close. I know how to do a service. <laughs> oh god, he's forever stuck in eternity, not being able to just get to that moment because the lava got him. Yeah, oh, bless him. That is such a man thing though, isn't it? Literally like with nothing else left to do. I'm about to die, so well, no, no, obviously not, because Lou had the exact same thoughts. Yes, but I've got a real man brain. <laughs> yeah, this is true. Let's be honest, we all have man brain. Yeah. yeah that's why we do this. Yeah. And there we have another series of grassroots podcasts that I'm going to have to spend vast amounts of my time editing out the crap that I started. Yeah. It wasn't me this time. It was not me. Yes, no. I suspect you won't edit out me saying that I probably have a massive wank if it was just about to die. We've <laughs> <laughs> so. had this conversation before about that, about something yeah. very similar, but I can't remember what. Anyway, we'll leave Again, it there. Something that we can put on at your funeral, Lee. Great. Right. Right. Yeah, those of you that didn't know Louis particularly well, perhaps we can shed some light on what kind of person she really was. This summarises it completely. Yeah, just hit play. Don't give away all my secrets. <laughs> I, I won't really care because I'll be dead. So yeah, yeah. go on then. Actually, can I just have that sound bit? So anytime Lou phones me, that's all it's going to say on my phone. <laughs> <laughs> It's going to be the new alerts for the podcast yeah. chat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, oh dear. Anyway, we're talking about progressing under 18s into the adult section. So I know it's a bit naughty to name names of this podcast. I'm not going to, but it has to be said that after all of the hard work that the club has done over the years to get a junior section up and running and to really put work into trying to promote the game to under 18s and so on. The number of girls that have gone from 18 into the adult squad in the last year or so has been, frankly, embarrassing. So without going too much into the reasons why that is, um, we can if you want, but the thing I'm interested in is how do we make it easier for girls to transition into under into adults rugby? And you know, are there some obvious mistakes that have been made? Go I'll shoot straight from the hip on this. Yes, there has been. I think from our club's point of view, we learned very early on with the boys section that um, a good couple of years ago, we were losing players at 15, 16s. So when I was chair, we kind of looked at that and said, right, well, why? Why are we losing them? And it came down to the fact that we were losing the boys because they couldn't see progression anywhere. And no disrespect for the great work the coaches had done, but they'd had these coaches since they were six or seven. Um, and frankly, they were bored with them. And some of them were probably their dads. So we needed to put a kind of framework in place to get everybody through the system, to show them where they could go um, and to kind of inject a, a new lease of life into your training. And, you know, and they were getting older and, you know, they were coming into men. So we set the academy up, which has run absolutely brilliantly. But we tried to set the academy up for the girls and it just didn't happen. And I think fundamentally that is where we have fallen down. And we're doing exactly the same as we did with the boys section, where we ended up four or five years ago, where we were struggling with the first and second team because we hadn't filtered through those players from grassroots that we'd worked so hard with since they were six and seven to get them into adult rugby. We just allowed them to drift away. The academy has done amazing and it's kept them all together. And, um, you know, um, the club should be really proud of what they've done on that. But there's no reason why that academy 
framework should not work exactly the same way for the girls. It should do, it hasn't done, and the club needs to really look in and see why it hasn't worked. Totally. Well, obviously you're a bit closer to it as a captain and you've been involved in some of the coaching of the girls and obviously you've been coaching is it under 16, under 15s as well. Yeah. What's your take on that? I mean, it seems really odd to me that players go through two or three years of learning rugby and then get to seniors and then either go, stop playing altogether or go to different clubs. Yeah, I think, I don't know, like this isn't me blaming anyone in particular because I'm trying to be PC about it without going off on another rant. Um, I'm Disbury. Yeah, it's all Didsby's fault and that hole that they're digging. No, I think the issue that we have with the girls' section is a lot of them want to go far and they've got this aspiration to you know, join a team where they're going to feed into the premiership. And I think because it's slightly easier for them to get into sale, 1861 for example or at least try out for it like the boys is a lot more ring fenced you have to jump through thousands of hoops to even get a look in uh, feed a premiership club or play at a specific club it's not as easy for say an under 16 uh, crew to just go and sign for the premiership feeding club etc it's quite tricky so I think we lose a lot of the girls to other clubs that are feeding into or, you know, potentially feeding into the premiership teams. But I also think that we don't have the best setup in the girls section as a whole across the country. I mean, they've just changed the dynamics to under 12s, under 14s, under 16s and under 18s. Do I think that's the best thing in the Northwest when we don't have that many girls playing rugby? No, Lou coaches the under 12s now. For the girls section, when they were under under 13s, under 15s and under 18s, you'd got an extra year in each of the junior sections so they weren't as spread out. So I think some girls stop playing because there's just not getting enough games or they'll leave to other clubs that have got more numbers. I also think there is a bit more of a stigma around a 17-year-old girl playing in a women's game rather than a 17-year-old boy playing in a men's game. I don't know why. I mean, I think it's easier to step into the, the women's section because obviously we've got the development team and stuff, but... For the boys, it's just seen as a rite of passage into the men's team that they're gonna they're gonna go as soon as they turn seventeen, you're eligible. Whereas with the girls section, because we're quite new and feeding into the women's team, it's not as established and it's not as normal. So Emma's the third or no fourth girl to ever play up to the women's team from the girls section in the whole like five years that they've been running for, and I'm pretty confident that the academy have got four or five boys playing every week in the men's game. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really quite norm, serious. The norm. Yeah. Um, and it's just the rite of passage. So, yeah, I'm working on it. We've got one and we've also got another girl that's due to get signed off in a couple of weeks that's going to play for the Magpies as well. So we're, nice. we're making waves, but we're not there yet. Lou, obviously you're coaching under 12s. You've got a daughter who's playing. You know, you've seen firsthand what the struggle can be like getting to put some boots on in the first place, but you can't wave a magic wand, but what things would you change or what would you like to see more of to ensure player retention? Well, I think it starts a lot earlier than under 18s, under 16s. I think actually what we need to really address is actually keeping girls playing rugby after they stop playing mixed. So that's like under 11s. And then what I've seen is that a lot of girls then just stop playing rugby because 
they haven't, well, certainly haven't at our club until recently, had girls under 12s to go into. So that means that they're st- they stop playing rugby and they go off and do something else like hockey, football, whatever. And my daughter did as well. So you're missing quite a f- lot of very young girls keeping playing rugby. So when it comes to sort of under 18s, you just don't have the numbers of girls that you would in the, the equivalent boys section. There's less of them in the first place <laughs> to try and keep. So I think it's really important to actually grow it right from the beginnings when we're saying under 12s girls. Uh, and so certainly for our club, it, we just need to really push it with year six at primary school, uh, year seven at, at secondary school, and just get a much, much bigger following and try and keep them interested, make the training exciting for them and relevant. And also just keep them actually playing matches. I think one thing that's really difficult with girls rugby from 12 to 18 is actually them playing rugby matches. Like, for example, in Grace's year group, there's like, well, there was one when she joined. There's now five. And we seem to join up with, uh, you know, another local club who've got similar numbers. It's, it's like a nomads team. And whilst that's a, I think that's really good for them as players, you could just see with other teams where they've got 13, 14 players and they all play matches together each week, how different that is and how you can see that they're going to carry on playing rugby for a long time. Whereas, you know, you turn up to a club and with one or two players maybe, and then you're looking for another club to join up with to play a match against a club who've got 14 players. It's, you know, you're already on the back foot, really. I just think it's a very, very complicated situation. And also, you know, a massive thing is keeping teenage girls playing sport in general is is, is a difficult thing. So already you've got less girls who are in under 18s who are going to want to go into play in the adult section. So I don't know, it's just, just limited numbers currently. Yeah, because if you look at the boys section and you get to like where they've brought the academy of 14 no 15 16 17s they've got 20 players already that they're going into those so you're filling the pot at the top so the funnel coming down is bigger numbers isn't it where we don't have that i think the other big impact is the rfu funding where we used to have a few years back you know the rfu going into the schools and i know a good couple of years back we had a big push in our area and the upside of that was it increased women and girls into the game it was meant to do boys but it actually brought loads of girls and women which was brilliant but we don't do those anymore because the funding's not there to have those people going into the schools so whether you have to do that as a club level and get people to volunteer to go in I don't know but you've got to have that visibility haven't you you've got to be able to see it to want to do it I think unfortunately the answer is almost certainly likely to be regional structure isn't it of some description or clusters I think they called aren't they so you group teams together or clubs rather together in like, I don't know, four corners of a, of a square or whatever it was. or And you kind of played a mini league around that square. So for example, for, for Crew and Antwitch, you could we could group together with Stafford. In all the counties, I mean, the counties are, are actually make it worse. But you could group with Stafford, say, you know, maybe, I don't know, Winnington Park, possibly. Um, they might be a bit too far north. Maybe somewhere like Telford, Whitchurch. And then Trent- it's just some of your parts, Trentham, yeah. It's just some of your parts. So you, if you've got, you know, if one team's got five 15-year-olds and the team's got six and so on, 
you probably have 30 or players and you play the, the other corner of the, the square. So that might be, for argument's sake, Chester, Northwich, Birkenhead or whatever. And then you've got fighting chance of having competitive games. The challenge always comes with training, but then I suppose you just got to keep that local. But what I find happens is that like people empire build. So at the moment, you look at Chester, they've got, you know, I don't know how many under 18s, but it's a lot. Certainly got enough and only two teams. Meanwhile, we're struggling at that age group and you know, a couple of other teams will be in the same boat. So there'll be players that are going, I know players that are going from our area to Chester because they, they're more competitive, whatever. But actually, you know, if we were to work on a kind of cluster basis, it would make more sense, wouldn't it? Yeah, and I totally agree with you there, Matt. I was at Winnington on Sunday uh, with my three, uh, four girls. And um, one of them out of that age group had actually gone to Chester to go and play with them because they've got bigger numbers. Yeah, there you go. And, <laughs> and it, they were playing against us who, and we'd had to join up with Littleborough who got 14. It's frustrating. Things are starting to change. It's just going to be a very slow process. We're going to join up with Winnington once a month and have a training session with them. Even little things like I got our girls to make um, a Nomads WhatsApp group chat so they can add the Winnington girls in so they can chat and get to know each other a bit more. So when they go and play with each other and train with each other, they they know each other's names and a bit of something about them. So things are slowly 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 happening it's just going to be a very long process I think for me when I was talking to my daughter about playing she hated having to do the kind of nomad games although you know she wanted to put on her club shirt and play with her team but that's because she's quite competitive and um and loyal but also we talked about you know if you want to continue playing you know, and you want games and you want a team game where it's your team playing another, you're going to have to go to another club. And she was kind of like, well, if I do that, it just defeats the object because we will never get a team. So it's like, yeah, you can, you know, you can be Chester and have all those players, but ultimately, where do they go? You're not going to get good games around everywhere, are you? So it's quite, it's a hard one. Um, slowly, slowly, it's, it is happening. I'm quite positive about it. I can see things working things happening I think you probably need a few more female coaches actually in girls sections because there aren't <laughs> yeah I'm the if first it's anything one. like the boys like the one thing that's like a massive frustration is a lack of engagement from schools so you know the secret to all of this is to get rugby played in schools right you know I, I bet you actually it'd be interesting to hear your thoughts in the west country where rugby's a bit more of a thing are there schools providing rugby for for under 18s, you know, and and that will naturally impact on the on every tier of the game, won't it? Whereas up here, if you, you know, if you go into you know, Brian Lee's or you know Mall Bank, whatever, and say hi, we want to come and do rugby taster sessions with the girls. You, first of all, you'll never get them to even answer the phone. They won't return emails in the main. They, you'll have to fill in a thousand forms to go and do a taste a day. If you're very lucky, there'll be a rugby player that's on the staff, and that has happened a couple of times, you know, with some of the schools. But it's a massive fight to, to try and get them to even engage with local clubs. I don't have like much involvement anymore with the schools down here having moved north. Like from my my niece who's now ten at primary school, they've got a really, really proactive PE teacher who through the winter months runs a tag rugby after school club and really, really encourages players and pupils from 
all ages throughout the school and he has lots of different age groups playing and my niece and a lot of her friends play which that in itself she may not go on to play rugby she's also into dance and all other sorts of things as they are at that age but just the fact that she's had that opportunity and that exposure to rugby which when I was at primary school which was a very 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 long time ago now never happened that is a way forward and it's like Lou says it's it's small steps and it's not something that's going to happen overnight everybody is talking about it which in itself is really positive but it's small steps and it's you've just got to temper expectations if that makes sense because it will happen and it will come it's happening already like I say the fact that kids up and down the land girls in particular are being exposed to rugby which in our day never would have happened you know I don't know what it was like up in the north but in the west country girls didn't play rugby we didn't even know what rugby was you know it was you played hockey you did gymnastics you played netball rugby wasn't a thing that's what the boys did whereas now it's far far more inclusive and it's far more on the agenda which is great and not just for rugby but for lots of other sports you know which is just amazing and it's building it up from there the generations coming through will be what makes the difference I I think what should happen is, and this would be a massive logistical and administrative challenge, but it was like this to be a central register of all players at certain age groups and they're affiliated to clubs based on their postcodes for training, but they play based on, you know, where they are in relation to other players and those sort of areas if they have their own kit identity. It might be something really basic like, I don't know, (laughs) Northwest, Northeast, North, you know, North, South, North, West or whatever, something really basic like that. They have a completely different kit. So they've got some kind of team identity and that's how they play. You know, they still are affiliated to a club. They're still getting coaching at a club. They can still choose what club to some degree, but you know, there needs to be some sort of evening up or rather spreading the talents around the the different areas. Yeah. Especially in like massively rural areas. Like yeah, totally down here in Devon, like you can go from one club and you'd have to drive a good hour and hour and a half to find another club, if not further away, the sparsity of teams in amongst all of that. And who's got a women's division, who's got a girls division. I mean, it's the same all over the country, but there's got to be a way of uniting all of those youngsters, those young girls who want to play rugby so that we don't lose them from the game. Because there's other challenges that, you know, just being a teenager and boys and everything that comes with that, that will lead enough girls to leave sport. It's finding a way to keep them engaged with just sport in general, because as we all know, it's great going into adulthood where you've got a ready-made group of friends just because you play a sport, which is just... Oh, it's massive. It's it's massive for everyone, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Well, you know what will happen, don't you? The clubs will say, well, you know, we've got really good setup here. We've got amazing coaching and we're losing our players to others. It's like, that's kind of tough because you've got to think yeah. of the bigger picture. Yeah. Uh, and it's all about which team is the most successful at that age group. Adult rugby, yeah, absolutely. You know, you want to build the best, most welcoming environment. You want to attract the best talent um, and you want to win leagues, right? But 13, 14, 15, you just want to be fucking playing rugby. It doesn't matter yeah. where. Yeah, it's just about making it fun and enjoyable. And finding those girls who really do want to take it on to the next level and encouraging them and nurturing them so that they do go on to be the stars of the future because we lose too many. Heaven, you know, God knows how many girls who potentially could have been the next Emily Scarrett, the next Sarah Hunter, but have fallen out of love with the game because the facilities and the support network just isn't there for them. And that's really depressing. 
yeah, or never tried it in the first place because rugby was never an option for them. But the same goes across the board for other sports. Something needs to be done. Something needs to be looked at. And as I say, it's really positive that women's sport in general is being talked about and that it's a main player now out there and people are engaging with it. So it's baby steps and it will get there. I think it's just tempering our expectations of how quickly it will get there because it will get there. We've just got to be patient, really. Just trying to enjoy it as well. I mean, crikey, it's, you know, it feels like in the girls' section, you know, interesting your take on this, guys, but like it feels like all of the girls that were in the under-18 section at our club, the minute they showed any promise, they were just on this pathway. You know, there was no sort of sense of, maybe they just want to chuck a ball around our fun with their mates, maybe actually going into a, you know, grassroots club that's competitive is a good grounding for maybe future rugby at the better clubs. It was like, no, you're on this sort of treadmill to go and play Prem rugby. And it's like, well, very few people actually make it, right? You know, let's let's develop their rugby IQ first. I mean, Mark, again, a question for you. You've, of all of the people on this call, you're, you know, you're the one that could probably have really done something with your rugby if you pushed yourself from an earlier age, perhaps, or maybe had a different pathway. If you were to start rugby now as an 18-year-old, how would you approach your rugby career differently to perhaps how you did? So first of all, we didn't have a girls team when I started at Crew. So I did under 10s, under 11s, under 12s in the boys team, same team as my brother. You could kind of play two years below. And then when I got to under 12s, they were like, right, see you later. Like, there's nothing we've got for you here. There's no one, there's no girls. So I had to leave, go to Sandbatch. Sandbatch were the only team around here with a girls section played under 15s and then it kind of opened the door to Cheshire, Northwest England, North England. And then I went to under 20 England trials when I was 17. Got told, would you believe, <laughs> wasn't big enough, I'm strong enough or I was too young basically. But the time and money that it took my dad and my mum and the weekends they had to sacrifice just to get me to that level. And then because I wasn't in an all-girls school or a private school and didn't have the you know the money that some of the players had around then, I couldn't afford to keep travelling like 300 miles every weekend to go to the camps and things. So that was frustrating. But then obviously when I you know finished at Sandbach, went to uni, played for Northwich who were in Champs 2, which is the same league as here, and there just isn't as many opportunities in the north, northwest anyway. I think if I'd do it again, I'd have moved. If I was really serious about my rugby career, and like when I say serious, I mean if I'd have wanted it more than anything and I didn't value my friends and alcohol and boys and having that normal life. You know, it's a big sacrifice doing a rugby career. I would have had to work full time and then still go to the Prem games and, and you know, sacrifice it. You'd lose your social life you lose your mates everything's dictated by what time you've got to eat what time you've got to train what time you've got to be at training and then still hold down a day job I would think I would have moved to probably Loughborough Worcester around there somewhere and tried to get a decent contract or a decent like package of oh we'll pay for your accommodation or whatever and I think that's the only way I would have achieved it by moving location, there's not the feasibility or the options to do that around here. It's you play for sale or you don't. Yeah, I agree. The difference between men pathway and sort of academies and, and women's as well, I think, 
male players at sort of age groups, they get offered scholarships to the independent schools. So, you know, a lot of the top players that maybe aren't from well-off backgrounds, they went to the likes of uh, Millfield and Wellington College and, you know, Whitgift and these sorts of top rugby schools on scholarships. And then they were given high quality rugby coaching from often ex-professional players that are now on the staff played at an incredibly high standard as I did actually as a player, you know, I, I was in that system. And then they obviously get go straight into the academies from the pro teams. Now, because there isn't that structure in the women's game, you would, Molly, even with your ability, would struggle to get a rugby scholarship uh, to an independent school because they just still, still don't play it, you know, crazy. Hopefully now with, you know, following off the back of the World Cup and that, you know, we've got players who are now getting paid to play and aren't having to work full time, that it is going to filter down into the girls rugby. Like you all said, you know, we've just got to take our time. You know, it's a five year plan, isn't it? So it's lose under 12s that we're going to really see where it impacts them going forward. We just need to keep the momentum going. It's a bit like the men and the women's really, isn't it? You can have clubs that are absolutely flourishing and the following year there's a mass exodus and, you know, they've got no men's team, no girls team, no women's section. It can turn around really quickly, can't it? In a year or two, I might have more than four players, you never know. It doesn't take long. You only need those four players. You only need two of them to bring a friend each suddenly and then them two to bring a friend each. And within six, eight weeks... Boom, you've got a team. Well, we've got four hundred percent more players than we did three weeks ago. So, you <laughs> there know. you go. And On that trajectory. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> We're taking over the world. Yeah, yeah. definitely. We want to take over. We just want. To, what's the saying, Molly? Kind of wraps it up nicely. Oh, hang on. Let me get my quote back. Hang on. Stand by. I've got it. We don't want to take over. We just want to take part. Tagline. Right. This has been a very a serious pod. Very yeah, serious. Odd. Come very feel, serious today. I feel we need knock on, knock off. We have talked about knocking one off, but it's a different thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't suggesting I was no, going to no, do now that. Now I've got images, right Batty. Now. now I've got images. <laughs> knock on, knock off. Right. <laughs> Jodie's absent, injured, hurt her face again. Um, so she's kindly given the job to me for knock on, knock off. So our subject is Fiji. Are we ready? Fiji. Fiji, yeah. Oh, God. I'm in God. trouble there. What do you mean? I'm always in trouble. So, I mean, hey ho. <laughs> um, Joyce, yeah, she's cracked it, Goose. So Joyce has had her hand up <laughs> for about 10 minutes. So she's probably got an achy arm. Was it your wanking hand, Joyce? <laughs> it's because i'd I'd hit the keyboard with my nipple again yeah oh my god it's a common problem it is when you get to our age lou anyway knock on knock off are we ready for the knock on knock off yeah yeah go for it so these are all rugby clubs or not rugby clubs uh in fiji so jody's giving me a little bio for each which is very good so i'm gonna ask each person otherwise everyone's gonna talk over each other so we've got Golden Rivers Rugby Club, and I'll go to Goose first. Knock on. Matt? Knock on. Joyce? Knock off. Lou? Oh, God. Knock on. Okay. <laughs> it was a knock on. It's based in, oh, God, Vatakula? 
Again, <laughs> Jodie's done me Stella here. It's because you were taking the, the piss out of her French accent for so many weeks. Now she's giving you really hard Fijian names to come out. <laughs> yeah. It's like a little joke from her. The thing is as well with Jodie, you've got to double check any facts she puts out there because we've had two referees complaining about the accuracy of her of her facts so far. Oh God, well don't shoot the messengers. That's a point <laughs> to Lou, Matt and Goose. Joyce is slacking. <sighs> okay, second one. Lavina Cavaru Rugby Club. Oh my God. And we'll go Lou first. Oh God, the pressure. <laughs> um... <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, knock off. Okay. Joyce? Knock on. Matt? Knock off. Goose? Knock on. Ooh, it was a knock off. Yes. Oh, yes. yes. <laughs> so it's, I think this is a bit of a dodge one, but anyway, it's actually a women's Fijian player who scored one try and two conversions against England in the World Cup. Hang on, I thought this, the category was Fijian rugby teams. Rugby clubs. Well, yeah, so it's not a rugby club, it's a person. It's a person. It's not a rugby club. Yeah, yeah she's not a club. Yeah. Right, Jody anyway. Like Stop bringing that, your, your lawyer stuff, Goose, and arguing the, the indefensible. That's Jodie in a usual fucking, let's just make shit up and see if it's true yeah. or not. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> I'll just remind you go. all, I am just the messenger. Right, next <laughs> one. Navuto Rugby Club will go Goose. I don't want to play anymore because I feel like Jodie stitched me over. Um, <laughs> knock on. Okay, Joyce. Knock on. Matt. Knock off. Lou. Can I just say this is a highly stressful situation. I'm going to go knock off. Okay, it was a knock on. <laughs> Established in 1976 in Latoka, L-A-U-T-O-K-A. Yeah. I'll take it. Right. I'm not as good as Jodie, so you'll have to remember your own score. You're not writing it down as we go along. I've got my phone in one hand for Jodie's <laughs> drivel that she's read me. My <laughs> laptop and then my headset is a hard choice. <sighs> right, well, Goose, you've got two, haven't you? Yeah. 100% so far for me. Fuck Lies. Read. Lies. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't a fucking rugby club. club. <laughs> 100% incorrect from me. Yeah, I'm, I'm I think we're all on the same top. number, aren't we? No, Joyce hasn't got any. Yeah, all right. Let it go, Goose. <laughs> oh. Okay, so basically, it's a piece apart from Joyce who's coming up the rear. Stand I'm right. a slow starter. Yeah. Not for the first yeah. time. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> all right. Oi, dickhead. Shut up. Next one. Nabua <laughs> Rugby Club, and that's spelled N A B U I A. Matt. I'm trying to get into Jodie's mind here. She usually works in a particular sequence. I'm going to say knock off. Okay, Joyce? Knock on. Lou? I'm going to say knock on, basically, because Joyce has said knock on. Okay. Don't follow me. <laughs> you stuck in my no, track record. No, I'm going opposite to you. Oh, did I? Yeah. All right, okay. Goose? Knock off. It was, in fact, a knock on. <sighs> uh, and this is based in the north of Suva. Again, no idea what she's on about. Right, last one. Nama Rugby Club, and it's N-A-M-A, and we'll go Goose first. Knock off. Joyce. Knock on. Lou. Knock on. Matt. Knock off. Okay, it was, in fact, a knock off. Yes. Oh, 
Nama, also known as sea grapes or green grapes, grow in shallow waters, are similar to caviar, and are served with chilies and lemon. Wow. Jody, who gives a shit? So, yeah, that is our knock-on, knock-off. And I believe, and I, I'm not sure if this is correct, but I don't think, Joyce definitely wouldn't win. I'm going to say that Matt and Goose may have topped it together, but Lou, I wasn't keeping score, but I highly doubt you've won. <laughs> I never I win. Got say I got none of them right. So yeah, <laughs> I feel like we need Fiona Brunt to come on and ref this because Jodie's categories of oh, it's all about rugby clubs, and then she just slips in a random person and pretends it's a club, but it's a winner. She can jog on. I'm proper raging now, like she's found the angry goose in me again. That's kind of the part of the fun of knock on knock off, though, isn't it? That every week it's slightly more chaotic than the previous week no it has to follow rules batty that's how it works oh, God. Well, well, look, God. <laughs> i can't even win when i've got the fucking answers in front of me oh my god that's our world is special there luke <laughs> yeah stupid stupid game is that the last question was that yeah that was over and out we finished on the chili and lemon caviar well done oh, batty i think amazing. you won that i could like I think so. I don't know. Wow. I think I've, ever, I've never won. I know I won once. Right, that's bullshit. No, bring on Fiona. Where is she? Yeah, bring on Fiona. Yeah, we need a ref on this. It's getting out of hand now. Uh, did we get the picture of Jodie and Fiona Brunt up on the social media? No, we didn't. I'll get on that. I'm, I get may have it. locked myself out the Instagram account when I swap my phone over. <laughs> Hasn't Jodie got access to the Instagram account? Couldn't she post it herself? Yeah, but the thing is, I created the account with a really secure password, oh, which God. basically <laughs> wasn't secure. And then I have to keep asking Jodie every time I lock myself out. And then she goes, you do know it's this. And I'm like, oh, yeah. So she's just going to remind me when she wakes up from a nap. And then I'll be able to post it myself. He's allowed me to go up to the mountain. And I've looked over and I've seen... The promised land. I, the rock, I, the river, I, the tree, I am yours. Your passages have been paid. Inch by inch, play by play, till we're finished. The Greeks had Socrates, Romans had Cicero, the French Descartes, and this is the Shakespeare of grassroots women's rugby. This is where legends are made. Shez says. I don't even know how far cat is. Shez, dare I ask, how are you? It seems like you're a little bit stressed today. Do you want to talk us through your week? I've had one of those weeks where, you know, when it starts like that on a Monday and you know it's only getting worse. So by 11 o'clock on Monday, I was probably ready to get leathered. <laughs> Terry, isn't that like your every week? Yeah, no, but it's been extreme this week. I've spent the whole week trying to catch up and I never have any time as it is. It's like my life's two hours behind since the minute I opened my eyes on Monday <laughs> and I just can't seem to get those two hours back. <laughs> it's only Wednesday. Technically now, it's only breakfast time today for me because that's how behind I am with the week. Oh, but on a positive this week, you um, had some assistance, didn't you, with your Sanastella? Well, I didn't have some. The, the lady offered me because I'm a bit broken. She could see. You take one look at you and think, right, you need to get on the stair lift. Are you now. okay? I said, well, I am a bit broken. She said, you can use my stair lift anytime. You don't need to ask. And so I may take her up on that. <laughs> Do you think she's played rugby? Because I loved how she left you snacks as well on the stair lift. Custard tart. She does. She feels like I need to be built up and helped with mobility on a Monday. Clearly noticed that I limp through the door. <laughs> <laughs> Looking weak and pale. Yeah. 
I get a sense from the various messages and WhatsApp that the rugby bus hit pretty hard on Monday. It, it? it was a pretty physical game, wasn't it? It wasn't an unwinnable game. It was like a really good game. It wasn't an easy win, but it was not massively technically hard, was it? It was physically hard. It was hard. just frantic. Well, it was 7-0 at half-time, so it could have gone either... It's 7 all, so it could have gone either way. But it was just a tough game. It was, you know, like tackle and get tackled constantly. It was a whole game of that. There was not really much running. Not that I do much running. Obviously, I'm there doing the tackles. But it wasn't that kind of game. It wasn't a game where your runners could get off, really. It was just physical. I was going to say, there's only, the only one bit of me that doesn't hurt is my face, but my face even now hurts as well. <laughs> It's been crushed in the scrum, <laughs> so all of me hurts. It's normally my face escapes it, but not this time. I feel like I've had my head put in a vice. Well, you did. You were in second well, row. Well, technically in the scrum you have. Yeah, yeah. And then I went to eight. Oh, I was flying at eight. Flying. Molly's pretty much lost her spot now. I'm that good. Should have seen me. Natural. <laughs> natural. How were you on Monday then, Joyce? Were you fit as a fiddle? Uh, broken. I think I was described as pale and... Do you want to go back to bed? You needed I did. a custard tart. I did. I That's needed a couple needed. of custard tarts. I mean, they come in packs of two. And, and there's only one lift. for each hand, just to, you know. There's something wrong I, with my mind, because when I did need a custard tart, I'm just thinking horrible things. What are you <laughs> thinking about today? Are we talking you, porn? Have you been in the fake taxi again? <laughs> I can imagine how it went. Popped into Chatwins for a custard tart. Had to get a taxi back because my car was broken. <laughs> Forgot my purse and had to pay in cake. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> Lovely. He dropped the cake. I saw him, strange batty there, doing a random run up Nantwich Road in the dark, nipping behind some dodgy bar with a bottle of wine in his hand in the middle of the night. What's that So I love about? the way you've hammed that story up to be a lot more exciting than it actually was. <laughs> Looking very suspect, like loitering around the entrance to the train station on a dark Thursday Is he going night. through the back entrance, was he? Well, yeah. I would say so, yeah. He was heading was towards it? the rear of the Royal. Where do not Google it. Matthew! <laughs> what oh, the... Lou, why'd you do this look. to me? You know I'm oh. going to Google it now. I it was a cake. What does it mean? For the millions of listeners, Lou, do you want to elaborate? Because you can't just keep this joke to yourself. I thought it was a cake with nutmeg <laughs> on the top. Nutmeg's a word for it, I suppose. Custard tarts. I don't, I don't, I don't think you'll be able to publish this. Urban Dictionary, custard tarts. That wasn't what I was thinking, disgusting. actually. <laughs> it was a version of that, I suppose, what? but it wasn't quite as graphic. <laughs> we now know why Batty was running around the back of a backstreet pub on Nantwich Road with a bottle of wine in his hand. That wasn't a bottle of wine, Sherry. <laughs> that was lubricant. <laughs> why was your wine in a Chatwins bag? That's all I'm going to ask. For the non-regional people, Chatwins being our local bakers, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Not, not the northern version of Love Honey. <laughs> Could be Chatwins <laughs> delivering your pleasure. Yeah. <laughs> Exceedingly good cream filled tart. I'm going to ask people at random now if they know what a custard tart is. You wait till I'm up aisle two in Aldi tomorrow around the cream cakes. <laughs> I'm going to ask someone. Is when you ask somebody and they look at you because they Do know. You have the other kind of custard tart. Now, which kind of custard tarts would you like? The baked ones. If you had a rush on custard tarts. (laughs) (laughs) Christmas special. I'm never going to offer a custard tart again. Very bizarre. Excuse me, Lou, while we're on the thing of custard tarts, how am I sorted for the pig in blanket if you've put me requesting? So, basically, you're coming as part of the rugby ladies Christmas do at my place on the prime night, yeah, 
and you've asked for something that's on the lunch special. <laughs> like it's like a late lunch. I'm just having it in a bit. Like we'll have cleared it away four hours before you arrive, but you want us to get it out specially for you. Just a piggy blanket. I'm that turkey bat thing with the piggy blanket. It's the piggy blanket, the singular. Who has a singular? You want the Christmas turkey yes. bat. Why is it singular? Why yes. is there only one of them? I didn't even know we were eating. I just thought we were drinking. You always have to ask for something special, don't you, Sherry? And then, like, if I can't possibly accommodate that, you're like, well, why can't It's not you? like I've asked for a custard tart, is it? Get one of those big Frank hot dogs, wrap it in bacon, <laughs> jobs are good. What does it come with as well? Do you do new potatoes? <laughs> I've heard if you ask nicely, <laughs> Sherry, <laughs> she'll do you a, a giant Yorkshire pudding as well. I've heard that's like an off-menu special. Oh, yeah, I love that. Oh, fuck off. Uh, <laughs> I've got enough on my plate that, that night. <laughs> well, sure, we'll have enough on a plate if you ask order all of that. Do those dauphin dauphinose potatoes? Dauphin was. Yeah, that, yeah. Dauphin was. No, we're not doing them either. You can have chips or curly fries. Does the gravy have beef bits in? <laughs> no. We need to be the last girl standing, <laughs> those three. I'm the angel Gabriel. Does the angel Gabriel even eat pigs? I think they're vegan. Oh, great. Do a lovely vegan lovely. sausage. Can I have it cooked? <laughs> <laughs> don't want it frozen wrapped in bacon yeah thank you <laughs> please tell me you are going to wear that outfit that you posted as the angel gabriel i'm wanting you to be lowered from the ceiling in the first pub that we're at i'm making an entrance i'm working on my halo right now because the one that came is like too small exactly that it's like a swatted fly that is not the entrance i want to make so I've ordered 50 metres of silver tinsel. I'm You're not going to be like Fat own. Amy or Thingy where she comes across like a thin no, Amy. Thin Amy. Thin, thin Amy. Amy. Like a wrecking yes, ball just you. coming through Kennedy's. <laughs> 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 I'm going to fly in and land on the bar. Well, on that night, when you guys are coming in, there's also a party of 35 in as well of coach drivers Dave and it's coaches. Dave Coaches and his mates. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. I might need two seats for my wings. <laughs> There's a high chance someone's getting knocked off. I'm coming as the Angel of the North. Think that. Think that kind of <laughs> Please oh do. It's like scale. Get to scale. My halo is so big, you're going to be able to put it round your waist and hula. Are you going to have to like walk in yeah. sideways? I escort it. Try not to knock shit off the bar when you turn round to sit down. Yeah. If I get if I get on the cenotaph and the square and jump, I'll probably be able to take flight and fly over the church. <laughs> not like you to have ever gone all I've, out. I've is got it, silver body paint on the way, so any part of me that is out, any skin, I'm doing myself silver, all of me. Uh, will you have assistance for this or will you have to call on neighbours again? I haven't thought that far ahead yet. At the moment, I'm just assembling the apparatus. It'll all come together on the night. you know night, what? I never sure. did this in Blue Peter in the 1990s, that's for sure. It was just a co-tango and a bit of glitter. There's going to be lots of glitter. Yeah, it won't be a bit of glitter. I'm thinking, like, I'm going down the Hansel and Gretel route. I'm thinking taking pots of glitter with me and leaving a trail everywhere <laughs> I go like a slug. But glitter. I was about... <laughs> Not do that in my Have place. You've got a, a spray can of it, so you can just spray people as you go past. Like web. I've got lots of spray cans of it, but I was thinking of a bucket as well. You know, like when you get married, that the um, they scatter petals. Yeah, but like that. Yeah, but glitter. Now, Sherry, you'll be sitting outside on the terrace. I on might have own. to anyway if my wings don't get in. <laughs> <laughs> they might have no more room for you inside. You'll have to go oh, wow. outside. Um, so I need I need inspiration for my sheep's costume then. Where I'm not going to be highly flammable. What can you do with sheep? Uh, or sweating in a menopausal state. 
Why don't you come as the black sheep? That's a good idea. Don't come as the white sheep. I don't think it's appropriate. To... Have a big red cross on your back, like you're off to get slaughtered. <laughs> you, you've been picked. Condemned meat. This one's yeah. mutton. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's it. Buzz. You need a name badge saying mutton, mutton dressed as lamb. <laughs> Just that, mutton dressed as lap, that's it. No. So when they know that one of the sheep has been impregnated or has been humped by the ram, it leaves a coloured dye on the back of the sheep. I think the word you're looking for is shafted. Yeah. So as a colour, so they dye the ram's belly, so when he's humped the sheep, then there's a colour on the back of the sheep. So I was just going to spray mine so it just looked like it had been humped. Maybe I'll just bring a sheep with me, a dead one, carcass, climb in it, drag it round. <laughs> <laughs> Just get like a sheepskin rug from somewhere. You can probably get a few of those. You probably just go go around the corner in Wales. God, Batty, I'm over forty. Can you imagine? We live in Wales. You can just go out with a pair of scissors. You could probably find a few sheepskins knocking around. Just fashion a you definitely need some curly hair. Yeah, fashion some kind of poncho out of sheepskins. I'm literally sweating, and I would stink of piss. More so than I usually do, but... <laughs> I was going to say, so how exactly different to 2 a.m. on a normal night out? Cover yourself in mint sauce. <laughs> it's just that I'll be a lamb cooked. <laughs> Take a bomb bag full of custard tarts for later on when you're a bit peckish. Um, maybe I could go, what was it, Lady Gaga, where she put ham on herself? <laughs> Take a bum bag, a... just put them in your bum. Bum, yeah, just bum. Yeah. Balls to the Not the fanny pack. Not bum no. bag. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my word! Oh it honestly sends, doesn't it? It's. I don't think it's me. It does. Why, Lou? Why have you agreed to have us in your bar on the worst possible night ever? Well, Katie just booked herself herself. In. Did, did, did she ask for <laughs> pizza? Can't, can't you just can't you just put us on the terrace and get a couple of patio heaters and Joyce can sit underneath one and go up in flames? Well, <laughs> you're you're in the corner next to the terrace. <laughs> Yeah, barbecue uh, and chops, it'll be better than that. Nobody puts Angel Gabriel in the corner, thank you. Apart from the 17th at Kennedy's. Isn't it the men's Christmas do as well? So isn't it going to be absolutely carnage? Oh, shit bags. Not in Kennedy's, it's not. Not yet, it isn't. We can't fit them in. It's also the Elvis do at the Civic. They'll be lifting Sherry. Oh, my God. Can you imagine the line out with those wings? Oh, my God. Jesus Christ. You're taking someone's eye out. I could go to the Civic and completely take over Paul Larkham's show. You get a little baby Jesus and use it as the ball, couldn't we? Just like chuck it in. That's Kez. She'll have to carry Kez. <laughs> oh, can hardly wait. What date's this? 17th. 17th. Oh, my God. Same day as the Elvis do that I always go to. Not going this year because I'm coming can to Can you the imagine, room. though, turning up at that Elvis do as Angel Gabriel? Half the audience would think they've died, <laughs> been taken to heaven. <laughs> <laughs> I'm making a name badge that says on it, Hi, I'm Gabs, happy to help. Nice. Gatekeeper or something like that. What was Angel Gabriel's job? Do you know? What was her actual role? Him. Oh, <laughs> shit. It's a man. It's Gabriel, as oh, in so man. What was his job? Oh, I don't know. So let me Google that for you. It's, it won't be as bad as custard tarts. Do you know? I need my outfit to reflect what my job is. Gabriel had a horn. Gabriel's horn. You Gabriel, Yeah, it was, had a trumpet that he blew to indicate the Lord's return to earth. He's the messenger of God and one of the angels of higher rank, understandably. The last yeah. thing we need is Sherry going out with a horn. Yeah. Oh, my God, that is going to be awesome. I'll sound it in every bar to let everyone know we're moving on. There you go. Oh, lovely. When you meant a horn, then, I thought you meant in the middle of my head like a unicorn. 
because that would be random with a halo. <laughs> there you go. The sound of Gabriel's trumpet on the last night. This is the last night prior to the the final judgment. Serious stuff, this, Sherry. How are you taking note? Taking it very seriously. It make, makes us worthy to hear and to stand on your right hand amongst the sheep with lanterns of extinguishable light. Not standing on me. To be like, here we go. This is where you might fall down, Shez. You've got to find yourself five wise virgins as well. Oh, shit. It's going to be difficult in Antwich. <laughs> <laughs> That's not happening in the rugby club. I'm going to have to go to the con club. <laughs> well, first step, Sherry, gender reassignment surgery. Small Second job. step, horn. Yeah. I've got 18 days. You're going to have to put a beard as well. I think Gabriel had a beard. <laughs> oh, my God. Just don't shave for a few weeks, Shez. Yeah. Pardon oh, the pun. oh no i can't keep saying that i'm gonna get locked up or something oh wow what am gonna do? sherry most people in nantwich know you so i don't think in any case they're yeah, surprised they oh me. they will they will <laughs> you're gonna have to clear up all this glitter on monday morning as well lee and the beard I might just take a, a portable dyson with me and just clean up as i leave yeah. Can you? Cordless. Can you take your, sh- your shark cordless, cordless and hoover up after yourself? <laughs> Hand me down that silver trumpet, Gabriel. Hand it down, send it down. Any old way, just get it down. Hand me down that silver trumpet, Lord. It's hot, yeah. isn't it? It is. Oh, I don't believe it. I okay. Believe it. Where did that just come from? <laughs> that in primary school. We used to sing it in primary school in assembly. Now I've just realised it's that did Gabriel. It? I know him. Yeah, you know him. I know. Yeah. Him. I think you need to do a post night out Gabriel um, outfit running uh, Aldi for your Christmas shop. That's the day you have to go. And I might do your, sing that on the karaoke in the way. Christmas shop dressed as Angel Gabriel in Aldi. Not so much the walk of shame, more of like the walk of salvation or something, isn't it? You turn up the at flight, Aldi the following the flight of shame. Just go bless a few of the old dears. <laughs> I'm going to have to sing that song on the karaoke. This is a religious time. <laughs> yeah. He played the trumpet. Not, yeah, he didn't not the play the trumpet. <laughs> oh, stop it. Oh, gross. I'm going to get you red carded from Chatwins if you carry on. To be the last sausage roll you'll ever eat. <laughs> or will it? Yeah. Or will it? You're going to have to go to Greg's for now. Chatwins won't let you in. I know people. Yeah. It's only started because you saw Batty hot-footing it down the alleys of crew with a wine bottle. He made some bullcrap excuse about picking up train tickets. Well, he was on the other side of the road running in the opposite direction, so I don't <laughs> believe that for a minute. Disappearing up a dark alley. Columbo, yeah. <laughs> he didn't think I'd be up there, did he, at that time of night? And well, there why I was. were you there? Beeped and waved, totally mm. blanked me on my way back from work. Yeah, really? Free custard tarts in the car park. <laughs> Disgusting. Right behind that bloody Italian and all. People in there enjoying a nice romantic anniversary meal. Next thing you know, Bat is in the window with kegs around his ankles. <laughs> Pretending to pick up train tickets. Mm. Nice. <laughs> Got a right name for yourself. Don't. I bet he didn't think he'd get caught. Really. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Anyway, moving swiftly on. Oh, yeah, I bet. Go on. We don't get the full explanation. Moving swiftly on. There's no no explanation. It's the most boring explanation in the world. I was collecting train tickets. I thought, oh, 
there's a shop. I'll get a bottle of wine. And I went home. That was it. <laughs> yeah. There's okay. nothing more, yeah. more interesting to it you than keep that. keep telling yourself that. <laughs> so why did you look dishevelled? I can't answer that. You were definitely moist. It was raining. <laughs> it was not raining. It was. It was a summer's evening. It was the summer's evening. It was about two weeks ago. It was mild. <laughs> Mildly moist. <laughs> 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 bloody hell what letter for you Shez oh Christ <laughs> is it from the angel Gabriel <laughs> might as well be from Gab dear on to Shez <laughs> hope you're well it was great hearing your son on the last episode he sounded like a fine young chap though I felt he was a little bit mean about you I haven't heard it have you not where is that bit I haven't... last no. episode special guest interview with Reef. You were too busy to I'll actually record, so I had to put him on instead. Mm-hmm. Anyway. I'll find it. You'll find it. I've enjoyed your various escapades on the pod, but I have a question about the rugby bus. Since turning 35, my post-game recovery time has got longer and longer. Currently, it takes me until at least Thursday to do up my own bra, and I've resorted to wearing wellies as I can't put my shoes on. As for anything involving buttons or elaborate bows, forget it. As an experienced rugby player, how do you recover from your games? Thanks a lot. Brenda from Horsham Ladies. When did anyone ever think it was experience? That is a vicious rumour. <laughs> Just because I've been playing for that many years, it never ever got experience. I learn something new every time I play. <laughs> the answer to that is Brenda, is don't bother with a bra. How old is she? <laughs> Well, I'm guessing late, just don't late 30s. Either don't bother with a bra or just keep your sports bra on from the game. Don't take it off and just keep it on continually. You never have to bother taking it on or off then. That's perhaps the answer. <laughs> what else is wrong with her? I can't remember. I was stuck. You lost me at bra. I'm asking you how you can recover from the rugby bus. Well, as a mature get lady. a stair lift put in. I found out this week that's beneficial. <laughs> don't be walking up and down no stairs. Maybe move to a bungalow. There's an option. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to bother with stairs because I do have to go up and down mine two footed till about Friday. <laughs> I brief in and wine, that's always good on a Monday and Tuesday <laughs> together. Obviously, after 12, not before. That'd be ridiculous. It might take you till 12 to get down the stairs to get to the shop anyway. It's just a very painful experience and it doesn't seem to get less. No. Like the pain comes out over days. Originally, you think it's just your legs. Then by Tuesday, you, from the waist up, it's all extends. You don't all hurt on a Monday, just some of you. And then by Tuesday, there's other bits. And by Wednesday, there's other bits. <laughs> so by Friday, you're ready for intensive care. That's how I feel. Just, I don't know how this is. It can't just be me. It gets worse each day, not better. I don't know why. I need assistance to get in and out the bath. Basically, I need to live in a nursing home. That's how I feel. I need one of those those hoists. Go to Aquafit now and have to get hoisted in and out the pool. I don't know what's going on. I think it's the weather. It doesn't help when it's cold. It doesn't. How about you, Lou? Yeah. What was your recovery routine like back in the day? I used to start on a Monday morning with a bit of a cry. And... A gentle sob to yourself. <laughs> well, not too much because that hurts. Gets, that'll hurt the yes. chest. Some, some light oh, whimpering. <laughs> some regretting of life choices. And <laughs> as painkillers before being able to move, hope the kids get themselves to school, that sort of thing. <laughs> How about you, Joyce? What's your post-game recovery routine these days? A post-game recovery is to have a nap in the chest freezer around four-ish every afternoon, so that's probably where she is. Did she play on Sunday? Because it's understandable if she is. 
I have to do a 3D scan post game on a Monday morning just to figure <laughs> out what hurts, what's likely to hurt. And then there's no using a standard bathroom anywhere. So if you're traveling, you've got to use the disabled just in case you have to pull the red cord. Persistence. <laughs> I had to do that once. Well, I had to, I'd been in the car. Like early, like six o'clock the following morning after a game, drove down to Bristol. Well, got as far as Gloucester services and my bladder gave way. It's an age. Luckily, I went and used the disabled toilets. I was walking, though. I'd been, you know, taken out anyway. So um, like Kaiser Soze. But I was so grateful. I was so grateful of those armrests. The handrails to lower yeah. yourself up and down slowly. It was getting back up. There was a moment of, like, I don't know how I'm actually going to be able to pull my pants back up. And it was like, could I just step out of them? Could I just step out and leave them? Because if I bend down, I don't think I'll ever get back up again. Luxury that you're able to put them on in the this morning. Is true. There is a lot of commando between Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday because it's just too much effort. No socks. <laughs> you just need one of those dry robes. You don't have to wear anything under it. Every time I go to put my rucksack on my back, there's kind of like this sound of whimpering and like, <laughs> and I was like, are you okay? And I'm like, yes, I, I'm fine. Did that noise come out? Yeah, that noise came out. Or, or, if we, or you lower yourself down on a chair somewhere and you're just making all these excruciating noises. I'm thinking about buying one of those electric recliners where it gets you from sitting to standing <laughs> by the press of a button. I'm seriously looking into it. Yeah. There are, a wonderful piece of kit. I miss the days of the um, adaptive things that used to come in the Sunday magazine supplement. That you mocked the sock putting on thing. Oh, how I wish I had one of them on a Monday morning. Yeah. yeah. One of those beds that moves so it gradually sits you upright like that. Those chairs do that. They go from lying to sitting to upright to stand <laughs> to be perfect. You'd never have to, to be get honest, up. I think I need a care on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Just start to recover. I could Thank offer you, you. A and then you. Then you go to training on Wednesday. You get a little bit enthusiastic because you want to make the team for Sunday. A bit like childbirth. You've forgotten all about the previous Sunday. That never happens. I won't be getting a little bit enthusiastic tonight. I can barely move. <laughs> if I get out of the van and make it to the pitch, it'll be a miracle. <laughs> I'm putting my rugby boots on. I can't see that happening. Because if I get down there, I won't be getting back up. What do you mean? You've taken them off since Sunday. I've been tap dancing around wherever I've been. There's no... I'm clearly training in my Crocs tonight. I tell you what, though, post-rugby <laughs> game, there is nothing tighter than a pair of rugby socks to try and get off after 80 minutes. Honestly, they're like the, the like suction pad to your leg, and you bend down to try and take them off, and you just can't. I would pay someone to undress me after, yeah. not in that way, not in a, a custom pillow way. Not in a custom Just way. to remove the clothing off me at the end of the game, because it but just hurts so Getting much. the sports bra off. You need single-use clothing, don't you? You just need, like you get in, in hospitals, the kind just of paper cut clothes. It off. Cut, it cut it off. Cut it off, innit? Burn it. Burn it. Yeah. Burn everything. Just wear PPE. Just wear plastic aprons <laughs> all the time. Getting your sports bra off after playing a match is always, <laughs> always very difficult, especially if there's the ones without the you know the clips at the back and you had to try and move it up mine does that and then it twangs up into one long piece comes off like a headband and then gets twanged across the room like a cat take somebody's eye out at the other side i mean they'd had no damage to their rugby game at all and then uh yeah take can it you out take like... it downwards rather than over no can you go that way you could oh, but you're never coming unlikely. out like changing room again alive no but you can't bend so how are you picking it up the only option is to fling it with one foot and then it's likely to hit one of the away team around the face. 
That's what you need in your kit bag, a litter picker in your kit bag to pick up all your stuff after the game, put it in your bag. This is why I don't understand how the youth of the team go into the shower post-game to flannel off a little bit of mud, don't wash the bits they should do, but they go in in the bra and knickers. So now, not only are you trying to get out of a sports bra, you're trying to get out of a wet sports bra. I mean, what kind of weird fuckery is that? Why would you do that to yourself? If you have to take it off eventually, why don't you just take it off before you have a shower? Presume you're not going to go home with a wet one on, are you? I can only assume they're backs and they've not got dirty. (laughs) Or tits. Or tits. (laughs) I just take take two. (laughs) Two backs. Or or back tits. Back tits, yeah. Or a forward thing. (laughs) I've got two bras, one for the front, one for the back. Yeah. You do see that though. There's like players who've got like the skimpiest of bra on to play rugby in, and you're like, seriously? I have someone's eye out with me. Nick, and if I just even attempted to play with that, even if I went and put my arm up to catch a ball, I'm taking half the crowd out. No, drop the bats, babe. So the overall message to Brenda from Horsham then is to go to your council, get a grant for improving the facilities of your home. Yeah, or just move yeah. home and get a bungalow. You need you need grab rails, you need to stand a stair lift. A ramp out the front. You curb drop in at the front <laughs> as well, because actually that's step you up. It's too much. You'll need one of those little vans as you well. You can't put your feet up to get up the curve. <laughs> You've had it. A car will have to go. Yeah. She'll need a van. That opens fully at the back to put her electric chair. A sliding door, yeah. Um, a mobility car. So you can just have like one of the knobs in the middle of the steering wheel so you don't even have to try and turn the steering wheel because if you've been in front row, your arms aren't working for a week anyway. So it's just a point and shoot, really. Just hope. Basically, you're not really a functioning human for at least four days after a game. Well, I'm going to say seven. Yeah. Once you get to my age, it's at least six days. And then you start playing again the following day. <laughs> yeah, and then day seven, you play again, so it all starts again. <laughs> but the thing is, the thing that I found difficult as I got older was, the fitter you get, it doesn't make a fucking jot of difference. Not a bit. When I was 17, 18, the fitter I was, you know, you could take a day to recover, you're good to go. Now, you just roll one series of injuries, pains, aches, general discomfort into another set. I'm glad it's not just me. I thought it was on my way out. I'm glad you've confirmed it. So the most annoying injury I've ever had was my middle finger stamped on. Bear in mind my job. When I was typing, every time I went to type with my middle finger, I couldn't get it to work. So every document I wrote had like missing letters. Are you the person that puts the custard in the custard <laughs> I can't look at you, Joyce. <laughs> Why? What am I doing? Look, I'm I can read you like a fucking book. <laughs> Imagine him, his finger. That's what it was like. <laughs> I couldn't type with one finger. So I had to start developing an entirely new typing technique, which took me ages to get right. It was so annoying. With your Mary Berry hands. <laughs> it's like the random of injuries that you get, isn't it? And you, or you'll be just suddenly sitting on a Wednesday and you'll be like, there's this massive bruise that just suddenly appears from nowhere. Isn't it? You haven't had it. Monday, Tuesday, nothing. Wednesday, poof. Full on, purple, green and black on your thigh, the whole length of your thigh. You question yourself. You're like, this who's coloured me in? What the hell's happened there? Where did it come from? <laughs> if you're at work on a Tuesday and Wednesday, you sort of get up from your chair and you're trying to explain in a like a way why it looks like you've walked like you're shitting your pants. <laughs> it's not that. I just played rugby on Sunday, still recovering, walking like Mabel, who's just soiled her tenor lady pants. Or it's when you're in a meeting and someone kind of going, you've got, you've got something on your face. No, 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 I haven't. That's um, a short burn from being in second row and shoving my head through somebody's pants. It's just grazing. 
it's not going to come off. No. no, no. I think I've told this story before, but the, one of the worst bruises I've ever had on the inside of my thigh, you can see a full set of studs and an inverted Nike swoosh. <laughs> Logo imprinted in my leg in a bruise. <laughs> we should do bruise of the week, definitely. Oh, we've got to I, do that. I had a bruise once that looked like Lionel Richie. <laughs> Seriously, I had one that looked like Oprah Winfrey. Who had a bruise that looked like a massive cock? Was that goose? <laughs> yeah. And that was just a massive cock. <laughs> oh no, that was just a massive cock. Oh, that wasn't from rugby. Oh. That was because she fell asleep on the coach on the way home from rugby. The coach or the cock? <laughs> that's a whole other podcast, that, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, that's how rumours start. Um, no, we should, actually. That's what people need to do. They need to send in their bruise of the week. You know, like how people say, I saw Jesus in a toast. I want to see bruises with Angel Gabriel on. Well, let's yeah. do it. Let's announce it now. Let's say yeah. we'll give a grassroots rugby shirt. I have a spare. Yes to the person that sends us the best bruise picture. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. I'm yeah. up for that. So, to the listeners... It might be drawn on. It might not be real. Yeah, that's a good point, actually. How do we stop cheating? Well, if you're dedicated enough to draw an elaborate bruise on your leg, you can probably have a rugby shirt. But no, let's go for best bruise. We'll determine what best looks like. I think size and general appalling I think Jodie might be a clear winner. They're just dramatic eyes anyway, aren't they? They're just like, oh, I'm going to get really big and horrible. I like- want a bruise in the shape of Kofi Annan or something. For Jesus. Jesus. Oh, yeah, Christmas, a festive bruise. <laughs> a festive bruise. <laughs> a bruise in the shape of Santa. And the three wise men walking Three along. wise men, yeah. Yeah, exactly. A couple of camels. Have you got a bruise in the shape of a couple of camels? Just a slight caveat, we don't want you throwing yourself around purposely around the rugby pitch no. just to get a shirt. I mean, I know they're desirable and uh, limited yeah. edition, but yeah, a bruise that looks like your teammate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if my teammate was a bruise, this is what they would look like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that actually takes us on, doesn't it, the Fiji theme to Fantasy 15, because we're now into the halfbacks. So we had a very interesting, if you're that way inclined, history lesson on the last podcast. We need to bring back the funny. We've had like informative two sessions in a row now. We need somebody to have an intimate injury or we need to start spilling some beans on stuff or just start making stuff up again. Me and Molly have started going to the gym together again. The first thing she made me do was get on the flat machine. <laughs> I was just about to say that. And then and then she was like sat on it and she was like, oh, it really does work your flaps, doesn't it? <laughs> not just that, I'm not going to get a flap injury, but it's more like the thing is so awkward to get on and off i'm probably going to break my leg getting off it because i'd probably get my leg trapped under some part because it's the most awkward thing i've ever done in the gym see on sunday with the magpie game i'd obviously um, misread my audience who hadn't listened to our podcast or understood about you can't strap a flap one of the team pulled their groin and was saying of how sore their flap was I was like, well, you can't strap it. Trying to be quite funny and then realising that they wouldn't understand anything about the flat machine or anything. So we need to re-educate them, definitely. I think we need to revisit that one. We do. The flat well, machine, yeah. Yeah. Molly, yeah. do you want to revisit that? What, the flap injury? <laughs> the thing is, honestly, I know it sounds stupid, but when you do it, you just it burns the whole like upper leg. It's very yeah. painful.
This is Molly's grassroots salute. Um, so I thought this was quite accurate, but basically, Avon Mouth Claire's ladies, they've done a video about injuries, are basically taking the piss out of dating a rugby girl, and I thought it was fantastic. They've basically taken a picture of all of their injuries, the bruises, the black eyes, and it's basically just a video taking the piss out of people dating rugby girls, and I just thought it was classic, so I'm going to post it on the gram. Oh, brilliant. That yeah. is great. Love that. Yeah. But you know, like when you go to the supermarket and you've got a black eye and they're like, oh, do you want your Samaritan's card? And it's like, no, it's got kicked <laughs> to in the head. Somebody. Yeah, and you're like, that's really nice of you, but I'm all right, thanks. I just play rugby. I had that once going to a meeting. It was summer. Oh, it must have been the start of season. And I'd got handprints on my uh, top of my arms. And I obviously talk a lot with my arms for anyone who knows me and my hands. They're always moving around. And I realised it just looked like I'd just had really rough sex or I'd been beaten. <laughs> but rather than just leaving it like that to a room full of people i actually did explain that i hadn't had rough sex now they might not have thought that at all but i'd now planted that seed and i literally had sown the seed and then went bright red and proceeded to just dig myself into an even bigger hole of embarrassment because by saying that at all joyce you've basically given them a clue that you know what that is like exactly yeah but you know when you just can't stop talking I know when you just can't stop talking, yeah. yeah. <laughs> when I'm fucking editing the podcast. <laughs> and there I go. I give it you on a break. <laughs> yes, I know exactly that feeling. You've got to shit my coach says. Oh, did you not see that video? I didn't think I sent it to you. It was really funny. It was the guy taking the piss out of the kids subbing on and off <gasps> on Instagram. Yeah, you sent it to it me. Was it was fucking brilliant. Oh, so basically, it's like the football coach, but this relates to rugby. And it's basically a voiceover of what the coach <laughs> wants to say to the kids. And it's like it starts out by saying, why do you just turn up on a Sunday and ignore everything that I've taught you in training, act like fucking dickheads and basically just piss about? And then it takes the piss out of someone subbing one of the kids off who's really good at rugby or football or whatever. And they're like, Johnny, I've got to take you off. Not because you're not good, but I've got to get this Tommy on off the sideline. who's utter dog shit, but it's all about fair play. And it was just <laughs> like, it was just fucking brilliant. Like it was so much fun. When you sub someone, and they say, we're just trying to get the other person game time. Yeah, exactly. No. Yeah, we just need to have, you know, it's this half game rotate. rule. Half game rule. But your dog shit, couldn't catch a cold, can't tackle, got no arms. And it's just <laughs> like, yeah, it's just awful. And then you have to be like, well played. You did really well. Thanks for turning up. Yeah, and you're like, it was utter car crash. I didn't want to put you on. You're terrible. But you could, no way you could say that. <laughs> Have you heard Didsbury looking for players? <laughs> what, with arms? Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm going to go. I'm probably going to get like an off-com complaint. He's being hunted down by a pack of three, running towards the touchline. He shuffled into the touch. Not entirely sure. This is play. Fantasy 15. So... Fantasy 15, halfbacks. Yeah. This was bloody difficult. So we got nine and 10, yeah. USA and Fiji, women of note. Yeah. Go on. <laughs> go, on. So, go on. Go on, Goose, you go first. Yeah. <laughs> America, have you got, what have we got for the USA? Being a nine or having been a nine and knowing that you have to be a little bit of a diva to be at nine, I went with Marilyn Monroe from America. Interesting. 
because I thought she would be actually she'd be quite good at either halfback position because you know she's into how she looks not that this applies to me when I played nine because Christ I looked like she crawled out of a hedge backwards but she got a bit of flair about her she was a bit of a diva you know she probably got some fancy footwork on her so yeah I was thinking Marilyn Monroe I reckon she'd be and she'd always look good in the kit as well wouldn't she you know she'd be that one player who was Instagram ready either at 10 minutes into the match or 80 minutes into the match because her hair would just be in place and she'd look fantastic. So for me, that makes her a true halfback, probably more a 10 so, than a nine, I would say. The only thing I'm going to throw in as a potential challenge is, Ooh. wasn't she a notorious drug addict? Mm. Well, you know. Is she going to pass the rigorous piss screening when she's had <laughs> a skinful of American presidents. Are we talking about and- our, our fantasy 15 playing at professional level or at grassroots level? Where- <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Well, you know, drug <laughs> testing, not so common, probably never happens. She played for Corinne Lantwich, fill your boots. She probably played better after a skin full of MDMA or something. Exactly. Yeah, we're a little bit more relaxed. Don't encourage drugs, yeah. bad things. But if that's where she <laughs> is, then that's fine. <laughs> I think, yeah, she'd definitely be a good person to... To bring the crowds in, wouldn't she, for sure? Good at the after-match sing-song as well, particularly on people's birthdays. Exactly. Popping out of a cake. It could be a little thing that she does every time, you know? Yeah. Be a good laugh. Mm. Nice. Like it. What about you, Reid? What have you gone for? The USA. <laughs> oh, God, I can't believe I'm about to say this. <laughs> so, I'm going to start with a joke. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> Who's the most dangerous American celebrity? I don't know. Oh, God. Britney Spears. That's <laughs> <laughs> so bad. Oh, I know. Oh, I'm ashamed of myself, really. That's such a dad joke. <laughs> and I've been chuckling about it all night, actually. It's uh, embarrassing is I will use that at some point. Yeah, I, know, I was just thinking exactly that. <laughs> um, so I, went for, I could have gone for all sorts of people, but I went for Britney Spears because, A, she's short a little bit unhinged and apparently she's a womanizer and makes a mistake she goes oops i did it again (laughs) (laughs) i am hanging my head in shame saying that but you know i can imagine looking at referee mark with doe eyes after she's just been pinged for another high tackle and just oops Oops. sorry sir i did it again Again. Oh my god! Yes. Anyway, apologies. <laughs> All right. I actually quite like that choice. Yeah, I think mine's a bit lame by comparison. I went for the inspirational woman thing and went for Amelia Earhart. Going all historic on us again, Batty. A little bit, but I really like Amelia Earhart as a character because she's like she's pretty badass. She's pretty yeah. interesting, pioneering, first pilot ever to cross the Pacific in a, a solo in an airplane. Obviously, missing, presumed dead, possibly was a big um, insurance scam. Who knows? Probably a lesbian as well, although it's never been confirmed. Well, she um, did wear trousers. Yeah, she did. <laughs> Generally, <laughs> did she also, were they trousers or were they dungarees? <laughs> well. <laughs> oh, anyway, God. before we got ourselves in trouble, we need you on the podcast in your legal capacity sometimes, Goose, because there have been a few times where we've questioned whether we should be legally allowed to say certain things. <laughs> I shouldn't legally be allowed to say jokes. No, yes. so. yeah, or we'll just that's talk that's generally. Yes, <laughs> yes, that's yes. Uh, I don't think there's enough, enough pro bono hours in the world to keep 
the podcast out of trouble. To be fair. Yeah. So I'm going to say Amelia Earhart is what's interesting from a historical perspective, isn't anywhere near as good in, in the nine position as Britney Spears. <laughs> I think that's a, a good one. Fiji then, number 10. This was hard. Yeah, well, I found a lady, because the one thing about doing this Fantasy 15 is it is broadening my horizons in terms of who famous people are across the globe. And I found a lady called Wilma Smith, who is a Fijian-born violinist who has also been the concert master, which I, I don't really know what that involves, but I guess it's a job where you have to be very, very organised. Of Very important. Both the New Zealand Symphony Orchestra and also the Melbourne Sympathy, Symphony Orchestra. The Sympathy Orchestra. <laughs> Sympathy Orchestra, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> in that respect, I reckon she'd make a good 10. She has to deal with a lot of moving parts all of the time. You know, lots of different people doing lots of different things at different speeds, different levels of volume. So I think she'd make a good 10 because I think she'd be organised in terms of getting the forwards to do what she needs to do. They could be like the percussion section. And then you've got your backs who are more of your violin, flutey section who do all the twiddly bits and get all the glory. So, yeah. The front row are just your kettle drum players, (laughs) aren't they? They just just bang shit with sticks. (laughs) And yeah. then in comes in comes Sherry with the big symbols and just like crashes them together at the end, you know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sherry should just have a little triangle, just dings, dings yeah. every now and again. The highly inappropriate um, moments. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> There's a ding, ding. The sound of um, the Aldi tills ringing out. Seventy yes. percent off hour. <laughs> Do you know what? I think that's a great shout, Goose, because we often describe good tens as being like orchestral conductors. Do we? You look very calm. <laughs> yeah, they sort of talk about that a lot in the game. That you know, you're conducting the orchestra from ten. You're you're looking like you're not moving a great deal, doing anything particularly creative, but actually you're. Was this you, Matt? Yeah, was this you when you like moving an awful lot? I'm an orchestra, leave me alone. <laughs> so a friend of mine, right? So my friend Steve, who I knew him sort of outside of rugby a little bit, and he never really believed that I ever played rugby. He just thought, oh, you know, I know Matt likes to talk a good game, but I've never seen him play. I reserve judgment. And he just saw me as this big lumbering fool. And then I managed to talk him into playing for me when he came to visit up north once when I went back to playing after moving, after relocating. And uh, I managed to talk him into playing. Like he came on the pitch and um, I set him up for a try. And I remember afterwards him saying to me, he said, that was the weirdest experience, Matt, watching you play today. Because you never seem to be going anywhere very fast, but yet you always seem to pop up in the right place at the right time. I was like, yeah, that's because I only play one play in every three. <laughs> <laughs> so you basically do the set one play in the same position and you wait for the ball to come to you. Come back right? to me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Couldn't work it out. Every time he looked at me, I seemed to be standing still. Yeah, I always, always seem to be in the right place as well. It's like, yeah, it's because I'm a conductor, Steve. Conducting well, you're something. an um, intricate orchestra. A, symph- a symphony orchestra, not a sympathy. Um, <laughs> yeah, no. It was more like a, a couple of kazoos in a... <laughs> And a, and a rusty trombone, basically. Excuse the pun. Sorry, listeners. Sorry. 
I think that takes us to the end of the show. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening. Yeah. Please come back. <laughs> so, oh notice I'm not going to volunteer any better suggestions for Fiji because I simply could only find one politician who looked really boring. How about no. you, Lou? Do you find anyone? Well, unfortunately, <laughs> I got stuck down a wormhole of Britney Spears. I had no extra time to research Fiji. Were you so, looking for more lyrics that could, you know, fit into your... Yeah, Britney puns. Britney puns. <laughs> Maybe that could be a new section, Britney rugby puns. Yeah. There you go, Lou. You'll weave them in next recording. Yeah, the others all have no idea what I'm talking about. Me and Batty will just be giggling silently in the background (laughs) as you work in Toxic and (laughs) (laughs) me against the music. (laughs) Thanks so much for listening. Please come again soon. Please come back. Come back. Sorry, 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 sorry. 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 If any of you have been to Pompeii, send us some pictures. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Whenever a volcano erupts, make sure you are safe distance away from Louise. Yes. (laughs) Well, that takes us to the end of the show, and thanks so much for listening. If you've enjoyed the podcast, please like, share, and comment. As it's Christmas and the season of goodwill to all, especially amateur podcasters. Please give us a few quid in our coffee account. The address is www.ko-fi.com forward slash grassroots rugby pod. There's an inevitable conclusion to this. A brilliant finish. This was Grassroots, women's rugby on the roots up. <laughs>